Welcome to the Together for Good podcast brought to you by Bethany Lutheran Church in Cherry Hills Village, Colorado. Our episode today is a conversation between Pastor Gary and myself as we talk about how Lutherans read the Bible. Uh, This is a follow-up to what Pastor Gary preached upon this last Sunday. On Sunday, January the 17th, Pastor Gary gave this sermon kind of detailing his uh, experience with Scripture throughout his lifetime. Uh, It's available on this podcast feed. It's the last podcast we posted if you want to listen to it in prep. But as always, there's just more that we could say. So Pastor Gary and I sat down to have a further conversation about how Lutherans read the Bible and some other pieces you may or may not know. As always, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Please, if you think of it, uh, tell your friends about this podcast, share it with others. We love to see the way that this audience is building. Um, If if you're able to, go to the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. All of that helps more people discover the podcast as well. But here it is now, without further ado, a conversation between Pastor Gary and myself, Pastor Nate, on how Lutherans read the Bible. Here we are, Pastor Gary, Pastor Nate, and we're here to just talk a little bit more about how Lutherans read the Bible and about the Bible in general. Pastor Gary gave a great sermon on Sunday, his epiphany for epiphany about the many ways that his relationship with scripture changed throughout the course of his lifetime. But as always, when you know we talk about these big topics in church on Sunday, there's so much more we could say. And so that's what we're going to do here today, Pastor Gary. We're just going to try and get out some more information about how Lutherans read and interpret the Bible, some of the stuff that maybe you didn't get to say on Sunday. So where would you like to begin? Yeah, so some of it might be what sounds a little more educational and less sermon-esque. And that would be just talking about the ways that different people look at the Bible. And there are there are, are approaches where we would say that some people look at the Bible and they would interpret it literally, which means that everything that should be interpreted literally would be. And and the reason there's a difference there is I love somebody who gave the example that says when John looked up and said, behold the Lamb of God, that nobody <laughs> thought that John was looking at Jesus as this little furry creature, you know, actually a <laughs> lamb. Nobody expected that to be interpreted literally. Uh-huh. But other other places where, where it could be, that would be a sense of how you would look at the Bible. There's another um, sort of main way that people interpret scripture called the historical critical method, mm. which means that we would look at who was writing, to whom were they writing, when were they writing, probably a little bit of why were they writing, which we offer some interpretation of that in and of ourselves. But that leads us to look at different pieces of scripture differently. And as you have noted, there are different types of literature within this larger book that we call the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's important to remember that the Bible is actually a library. While we package it all as one book, there are 66 books in there. And if you're Catholic, there's even more than that. (laughs) Um, And each of those books, uh, well, some of them are written by the same person, but largely there's a lot of different authors represented there. And there's a huge swath of time as well. Some of the pieces that were written in the Old Testament 
are 6,000 years old, possibly. Maybe yeah. the scholars debate on that. And then you fast forward all the way to the Apostle Paul, who we know is writing in the first century. So you've got this you know, breadth of years, and a lot can happen in 5,000, 6,000 years. And the perspective on how the world works and, and all of that plays into how something's written. And so a lot of this historical critical method like you're talking about is about looking at the Bible as literature and, and interpreting it as you would interpret literature, right? I, I was an English major in college, and when we would look at different readings, we would talk about when they were written, what was, you know, like the information about the author and how that influenced some of the pieces we were seeing, some of the metaphors they used, the language they used, the larger points they were trying to make. And it's just using that same idea and bringing it to Scripture. So when we look at that, as we pointed out, there are different types of scripture. Kings and Chronicles clearly are writing sometimes simply a, a historical accurate event of who was yes. reigning and how that reign changed and who succeeded them and so forth. But there are other stories that create a little bit more openness to how that story will be revealed. Um, Elijah and Elisha and the healing of Naaman, you know, um, um, an opposing um, opposing leader who's cured of leprosy. And those stories just kind of open up our imagination a little bit more. Mm -hmm. They can certainly be looked at as a historical way that an, an occurrence w was played out, but they also leave us a little bit of room. And then, of course, we get to the two books that obviously are so different than almost all the others, Psalms and Proverbs. Right, right. And, and like Psalms is the, the songbook. It's a book of poetry. And when you read the book of poetry nowadays, you don't look at it and say like, oh, this is specifically talking. Poetry is littered with metaphors, and you know that, and mm -hmm. you bring it to the case. And in the same sense, when we read the book of Psalms, we don't literally believe the pieces that, that that that's a history book i guess that would be right. really sure. say it right like you know, no these are songs these are prayers they're beautiful and they have some real truth baked into it um and i know you wanted to talk a little bit about the difference between tr what is true and what is truth and i think that's an important way for people who are looking for a way to understand the bible outside of a literal translation but i guess really even if you want to take any bible account as a literal historical experience, what's still important along the way is to not say, okay, I can prove this event happened. But so much more important is to say, why did this event happen? Mm. What was God's hand in this event happening? And most importantly, why should I care? What does that mean for me? So there are times when we would say that the Bible is trying to give us a historical event, true events that are laid out. Other times the Bible just wants us to know great truths about God's activity in the world. Right. And then more importantly, how does that influence what I understand to be God's activity in my own life? And, and I remember when I was introduced to this way of reading and understanding the scriptures, how freeing it was. Because um, I would get all, because it takes some of the questions out of the equation, right? Did, yeah. did, was there really Noah's Ark and two of every animal onto that Ark? And right, like, and when you start to think about the scientific possibilities of that, it's like, this seems ridiculous. This is going to be really hard to pull off. Well, maybe it did happen like that. There's certainly accounts of a great flood. Sure. But I realized like that's not the important piece of it. Oh, Gary's getting a call. <laughs> Someone really wants to be on the podcast. Do they have any ideas? <laughs> I know, should have asked. 
But but it's not as important whether or not that actually happened. What's important is the truth that that explains to us about God making promises to God's people, about God saving Noah and his family from great destruction and peril. That's what we can take away with it and personalize. Right. And, you know, and then I just, a lot of the time, like, well, whether it happened or not, it still happens. Exactly. And, And particularly, every time that it happens to rain and we have the sun in the right angle to catch a rainbow, Mm -hmm. the promise of God lives again. And that's the great truth, is that God established a covenant with people. To me, that covenant is more important than whether or not an ark actually floated on water for 40 days. Right. You know, that covenant, because now it's my covenant, that, that promise lived out through the rest of the entire um, Old Testament. It lived out in the Exodus. It, it, it lived out in the prophets and the kings, and it lived out in Jesus. That's what I think is so foundational. The great truth is that God makes a covenant with us. That, that covenant of relationship still lives today. And, and it's important to know that this concept of reading the Bible literally is actually a very new way of reading the scriptures. Uh, right, like the Bible's been around in its current form for almost 2,000 years, um, maybe a little 1,500, 1,600 years. And, and throughout history, the church leaders didn't read it that way. And it's right. more of a, a, a recent phenomenon. I think it's more around like the 1800s, the age of enlightenment, that we started to try and, individuals started to try and make it very literal and to say like, no, everything happened exactly as you read it in the book. Um, and as we're kind of pointing out, I think you miss a lot when you try and take that approach towards it. Right. Now, for some people, again, that's going to bring great comfort. Right. It, 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 it will unveil to them the sense of God's power. Mm-hmm. But for others, it will say, these stories seem to be a little beyond the imagination. Mm-hmm. And is there another way that I was supposed to be reading this story? And part of that gets to the whole idea of the rabbinic tradition, the tradition of the rabbis. And a great example of that is, in fact, Jesus, who was considered a wonderful rabbi, (laughs) who taught in parables. Right. Parables were never meant to be historical accounts of any person's life. They They were made up stories to give to us great truths about God not to talk to us about some friend of Jesus and an actual account that we know of that friend. I remember um, at my last church, I taught a Bible study on the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I started off that class, and I did this on purpose to kind of, you know, shock and unsettle people. And I'm like, I just want you all to know, the parable, like, uh, the Good Samaritan never existed. He's not a real person. I know it says it in the Bible, but I can say to you with certainty that he never existed. And people were really, like, clearly unsettled and upset. They're like, Pastor is saying that the Bible isn't true. And I'm like, no, no, no. You believe this too because Jesus says it himself. He's like, let me tell you a story about the Good Samaritan. Um, and didn't you say that? Tell me yeah. How, yeah, about so that. So now this was not in our trip, thank goodness. Okay. We, we took a much more educational trip. <laughs> but I do know that people had said that there was a time when you could travel to the Holy Land. You could go to Israel and you could go into this town 
and there would be a tourist, what you would call a tourist trap, not an attraction, <laughs> but a trap, where you could go to the inn where the Good Samaritan took the injured man. And the reality was there was no inn because there was no actual historical character of the Good Samaritan, therefore no injured person that took place. It was a parable. And the reason it's a parable is because Jesus invites us into that story in different places. Sometimes as the Good Samaritan, sometimes as the injured person, sometimes as the passerby. The story would lose a tremendous amount of power if it was a factual story. It has a tremendous amount of power mm. as a parable because we're invited in into multiple levels of it. Now, the other thing about that I find completely amazing about the Good Samaritan is how many societies are named after the Good Samaritan. Huh. And there again, I think it's because we relate to it, not because it was a historical figure, but almost because it wasn't uh -huh. a historical figure. It makes us want to make that parable live in multiple ways. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it, again, it goes back to this whole, like, what is true and what is truth. It's not a factually true account of an event, but there is deep truth as a part of that story. And, and we know this, I and mean, we tell stories to our kids all the time that Aesop's fables or, or whatever else it might right. be that aim to, you know, teach children different values and different truths about the world when Absolutely. they're in fact works of fiction. Um, and so a lot of, again, I'm not saying, there, there's certainly, and I loved the way you ended your sermon on Sunday, by reading the account of the resurrection. Right. And we're not saying that, that that's a work of fiction, right? Something happened that day. This incredible event that we can't explain is very much so the, the cornerstone of our faith. And, and, and that isn't, right? Like that, that changes a lot of different pieces to it. That is capital Absolutely. T true and has truth as a part of it. Um, and that's, I mean, in reading the Bible, it's often, uh, you know, tricky to, to walk the lines between these things a lot of the time as well. Right. And, and to try and, um, and like I said, in some ways it's freeing for me because I just spend a lot of less time on certain circumstances worrying about the, the historical factuality of this, that, or the other thing. But instead look for, what is God trying to show me mm -hmm. through this story, through these passages? And, and paying more attention to that than trying to, you know understand some of the other factual pieces about it yeah and that's where i think where i said on sunday that i find this that the bible becomes more of an invitation mm -hmm. we're invited into scripture we're not invited to look at scripture apart from us you know to be honest when i read uh, the history of america when i read about the the um revolutionary war or yeah. the civil war it sounds like history that i'm watching apart from me. When I read the Bible, even if I read events that I believe are historical, I still feel like I'm invited into them. And that's different for me. I think the Bible's very invitational that way. If I would simply relegate it to be a history book, I'm not sure I would find it with the same kind of invitation. Yeah, yeah. And yet it's it's so neat that it's it's both and. Exactly. Right? And I think about that there are historical um, accounts of a person named Jesus in first century Palestine. There yeah. are historical accounts about a great flood, you know, many mm -hmm. thousands of years ago. 
and that also that also is powerful and i understand why people want you know to look at all of it and say like all of it has to be exactly factually true um and and where i always come back to the, the reason that i know that so many so that there are so many pieces to it that are factually historically true is because we're still here. Right? <laughs> right. We're still like, why? Why are you know so many millions of Christians getting together to worship on a Sunday morning? Yeah, something had to actually happen to perpetuate all this. I don't. I don't care how good the story is. Right. I don't think that just a simple fictional story could have this long-lasting of a life-changing effect on billions of people right. over the course of history. Yeah, and I always come back to that too. Like in the midst of my my doubts are my questions. I'm like, well, you know what? Like, clearly something happened. <laughs> Otherwise, why is, you know, why are we still all here yeah. doing all of these things? Yeah, there's something about this relationship to God unveiled in Scripture that is still being revealed. Yes. And that's what I think is the key, is that we're not looking at something that was revealed 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, or 5,000 years ago. Yeah. We're reading an account by which the scripture is still being revealed today. And that's why I understand it's great truth. Mm-hmm. If it, otherwise, it, it wouldn't have the power that it has if it didn't have the great truth associated with it. So anyways, I love the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a really, like as, as we've pointed out in all this, there's just so much to it. And it really is such a joy to read, too. In my mind, I, I mean, I love doing the, quote-unquote, investigative work about this historical critical method, too, yeah. with passages. To look at a passage of Scripture and then to find a lot of the details that aren't written on the page, but that influence what's appeared on the page. Yeah. And then trying to bring that to life in a way that is bringing people closer to God, myself and others, when we preach on it. It, it really is just such a joy and such an amazing book in its power and ability to do that continually again and again you know I, you've been preaching for 30 some years yeah somewhere in there 34 <laughs> i guess i don't know how yeah and i'm sure right you've preached on most of these passages multiple, multiple times times and always find something new and if i might say pretty good to say most of the time <laughs> that's that's i think the exciting thing is every time you open scripture if your heart's open you'll find something new yeah god god will still be speaking to you in new ways and for students of history and scripture, they overlap. And we know there's wonderful history outlined in the Bible that we would not find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And there is wonderful mystery in the Bible that we are invited into because the Bible really is a relational book. Yeah. In the end, it's a relational book. And if we're invited into a relationship with God, however we view any particular story, we're invited into relationship, and that's what makes the story exciting. Yeah, I'm reminded, I think it was Kierkegaard who said, when I read the Bible, I need to always remind myself that this story was written to me and written about me. Yeah. And I find that as a deeply, yeah, a deeply personal encounter with God every time we open it up. Um, great. Well, so that's some more details about the Bible. If you have questions, please feel free to get in touch with us and let us know. We're happy to do this again. Um, Pastor Gary, anything else to add? Just that we'll continue to exploring, and we are so happy that people are willing to allow us to explore Scripture more broadly. Yeah. And and our hope always is that we have an opportunity to un 
unleash God's power on earth. And if we can do that through scripture in many and various ways, then I hope we're doing it in a way that's true to our calling. Well said. Well said. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay Thank in you peace. all.